Hello listeners, uh, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, guten tag, wherever you are around the world. This is the Ride on Track podcast where we cover all things uh, concerning Thomas the Tank Engine and Friends and the Railway Series. My name is Denim, but I'm not joined alone. I'm also accompanied by... Parry! And Connor! So, on this episode of Right on Track, episode 13, we are going to be talking all things... About the Scottish twins, Donnie and Doggy. Scotland! Mm. Those are terrible accents, guys. Ow. Thanks, it's our best attempt. Mm. Yeah, listen, okay, it's early morning. <laughs> well, for us it is. Yes. Mm. So, um, why don't we get right into um, the first episode, which actually isn't about our Scottish twins, though. No, it's not about Donald and Douglas. This particular episode here is called Better Late Than Never. It's based on a story by Christopher Audrey. The engines were finding life difficult. Workmen were mending the viaduct on the main line. The archers needed strengthening. The fact controller did not want to close the railway while the work was done, and so repairs took a long time. The engines had to take great care when crossing the viaduct, and the delay often made them late on their journey to the junction, where they knew Thomas would be ready to collect his passengers. So that was the full first minute of the episode better late than never and therein lies the biggest problem we've just spent a minute of exposition for the story and the main conflict in here is actually between thomas and bertie yes mm-hmm. and we are yet to be introduced to them mm. <laughs> having said that though it's a beautiful sequence it, it is yes. in fairness yeah because we get to see the engines trundling along there's the music in the background of course what's oh, known I as love the music the viaduct theme exactly mm. beat oh. me to it but uh, in this episode, due to all the engines needing to move slow over the viaduct, they are often late at meeting Thomas at the junction at Ellsbridge. And this, in turn, often leaves Thomas to be late by meeting Bertie at... Is it Tidmouth? Yes. I know in the set it's Tidmouth. However, I feel like it should be Knapford. It's Tidmouth. Yeah, Tidmouth. Anyways. And then later... Bertie teases Thomas, Thomas is mad at all the other engines, and then eventually, one day, whilst Thomas is running later than ever due to James, Bertie breaks down and Thomas picks up all the passengers, and sometimes it's better to be late than never arriving at all. I've just summed up the entire episode for you. You have. What a boring episode. <laughs> I will defend this episode. Oh, will you now, Denner? I will. I think... Don't get aggressive, boys, boys. <laughs> I, I, I think I have stressed before that I do like an episode where not a lot happens, and I think this yes. is an example of that. I think there's a lot of interesting things going on for this story, which I really enjoy, Exhibit A being the viaduct sequence. But I think it's also a really nice exploration of the evolution of some sets. I think this is the first time where we see the proper 
fully fleshed out version of Tidmouth Station because mm-hmm. beforehand in uh, Thomas Percy and the Coal, which I assume is set several years prior to this story, mm. um, you see a wall, uh, like a retaining wall, kind of up to where the track is. And at this point, it's removed, and I think that the area of the Timoth Yard has become more versed and developed. And it's interesting to see that from the road perspective as well. I yeah. always thought that part in Thomas Percy and the Coal was on the other side of Titmouth Station. Ah, uh, yes. I see what you mean. Yeah, because there are two sides to every station. Mm. Everyone knows the main that side. Sounds like a name for a book. There are two sides of every station. <laughs> The well, there's Platform 1 and Platform 2. <laughs> and somewhere in there, there one and three quarters. <laughs> but, um, yeah, this episode, uh, like, you, you do defend it, Denim. It is slow. It's sort of a relaxing break between everything. Um, and, but I will say my favourite thing about the entire episode is that first minute sequence. Mm. Okay? Like, Nothing much happens. It feels more like a train spotting video. Yeah. Where, you know, you've got the engines going by, you've got the music, and it's just really serene. Um, Other than that, though, there is one other pro I'd give this episode, and that is you get some sets that you don't really see again, such as the crossing where Thomas picks up Bertie's passengers. Mm -hmm. And in that same scene there, we also see his radiator overheating yes. and we get steam coming out of the road from underneath to you know dramatize that yeah we do then i think i think the other only time we see this setting is in um percy's predicament mm, yes we do so it is it's known as a very very um unloved episode in the community because not much happens. It is very forgettable. And it's sort of lumped between some really great episodes. We've had the Duck Trilogy before this. We've got the two Donald and Douglas episodes afterwards. And in sandwiched between those... It's a just, weird Thomas Spurty one. It's miserable. It's like having a sandwich with no filling. You've mm-hmm. got the two pieces of bread and it's like... I'm, what? It's what? just bread. Where's the meat? You're a duck. Yes. But we already covered that. Having said that, this, in contrast to a sandwich, this is like a, a bagel, I think. It, it's it's kind of like one of those things that aren't uh, given enough attention, but bagels are quite nice. You only have them every now and then. Uh, but rather than just being a Thomas and Bertie episode, you get to see a lot of other characters in action and have dialogue as well. Yes. That's true. And there is one thing I do actually like about this episode. It's when Bertie is waiting outside Tidmouth and we get to see his view of Thomas coming through the station. That's quite nice. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Unique camera shots. And I believe you only see a similar shot like that again um, in James Goes Buzz Buzz when James arrives. Which is correct, which also yeah. takes place at Tidmouth. Yes. It's a popular station during the season two and three era. Because mm. it is supposed to be the original terminus big station of the line. It is. Instead of how Knapford has become. It's still there in my yeah. head. Hopefully. They replaced it with Tidmouth Town Square for a little while. That's there as well. I reckon it's somewhere else. That I, I actually did a number count of all the stations and halts and bridges and tunnels on the island, roughly, that I could find uh, using the wonderful Wikia. Um, there's roughly 275 stations or 
tunnels or it's a busy little island. It, yeah, it's like it's ridiculously cramped. It is. But anyways, that's like future future talks about the show. Yeah, this episode, you do have a few nice interactions. You have the wonderful viaduct theme. However, it feels like it's one of the episodes that was made to fill the mm. the episode list. I would but, agree with that. Because it did, did come from the Christopher Audrey book, More Stories About Thomas the Tank Engine, um, which was made specifically for TV, along with mm. uh, The Runaway and Drip Tank and a few other stories. Drip Tank, which was never produced, and I think that would have been probably a more interesting story. Um, mm, contentious. Oh. oh. Listen, it's not a 6.5 like last episode. Calm down. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, it feels... You're struggling to know what to say, aren't you, Connor? I, I am struggling because it has got pros. Mm. But those pros are few and far between. Mm. And they're only there, I feel, if you're looking for them. Because mm. as you said, Denim... You get to see, you know, a few engines in action, and then you also get to see them, uh, you know, having different conversations with each other. Well, then you could easily say that about dirty work, because a whole bunch of engines talk and chat there, and different interactions, and you have got an interesting leave, and it's also a very narrative-driven story as well. So, rankings-wise... I'm going to give it a... I'll, I'll, I'll give it my original score that I was going to give, say, from a scrap of a 4.5, which I think is the lowest we've had so far. Ah, uh, ha, ha. I'm giving it a 4. Ooh, so 3.5. No, 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 this is 4. <laughs> I'm giving it a 4. It's the lowest from me. Look, it has nice pieces here yeah. and there, but just overall, it feels like an underwhelming episode. Denim. 6.8. <laughs> that is oddly specific. It is. Mm. It is. Uh, it's not one I rave about, but it's one I can chuck on and have a good time. There's stuff in there. I think story-wise, again, I'll use the word humble, but yeah. I think I'm a visual person. I like my train spotting and yes. seeing interesting um, arrangements of trains and interesting sets choices and camera angles is what sells this episode for me. Okay, then. So, uh, that was Better Late Than Never, and now we're going to finally be introduced to the wholesome, the arguing, the bickering Scottish twins in the next episode... Which is Break Van. Now, in the clip I'm showing here, we've already been introduced to Donald and Douglas. They're twins who have come from Scotland. One of them was destined for scrap, but they decided to just head to the island of Sodor and hope for the best. The Fat Controller says, all right, we'll give the two of you a trial, see how you do. And one of the first obstacles they face is a spiteful Break Van. There was a brake van in the yard that had taken a dislike to Douglas. Things always went wrong when he had to take it out. His trains were late and he was blamed. Douglas began to worry. Donald, his twin, was angry. You're a muckle nuisance, said Donald. It's to leave you behind I'd be wanting. 
You can't, said the van. I am essential. Oh, Kaya, Donald burst out. You're nothing but a screeching and a noise when all's said and done. Spite Dougie, would you? Take that! Oh, oh, oh! cried the van. There's more coming, should you misbehave. The van behaved better after that. I call brake van abuse. So, this is the only time, well, so far in the season, because, of course, we're later introduced to Toad, Oliver's brake van, Mm. but until now, we haven't seen the brake vans being sentient. No. We we did in um, A Close Shave. Did we? Yeah, the brake van that Chase Duck had a face. Oh, right. Okay. So, this is the second time then, but it is the first time that we hear one speak. True. Mm. Yes. Unless you can't chase him, bump him, throw him off the rails. <laughs> so, <laughs> as you were saying, Connor. Yes. Uh, this episode, Break Fan, also known as Donald and Douglas in American Releases, um, is uh, introductory episodes to the two Scottish twins, mm. um, where Sir Topham Hatt only expected one, but two arrived. Uh, he painted numbers on their tenders and set them to work as goods engines. Um, we just heard about the first conflict. So, the entire um, sort of climax, I wouldn't say climax, but the entire contention of the Donald and Douglas stories is that they are trying to be on their best behaviour so that they don't leave. Because the fat controller can only realistically afford one engine. Hmm. So he needs to send either Donald or Douglas away. This is a really fascinating story because it feels like a lot happens in five minutes. Um, We get the introduction to two iconic characters. We are thrown into the tension between uh, one of these characters and a new antagonist for this episode only. Uh, we have um, a bit of tension with the back controller. We've got the crash into the signal box. We do. Yes. We also have the tension between James and the twins. Yes. And we have our second instance of a shut-up in this season as well. Yes, we do. We do. So, um, I, I made a little joke just before about brake fan abuse. Um... But we do see engines aggressively, I would almost say in railway terms, punching uh, rolling stock. Because mm. in Dirty Objects, we saw um, Duck shut up a truck and push it away. You mean Dirty Work. Dirty Work, sorry. Mm. Close. Um, but no shave. And, <laughs> um, of course, here we have got Douglas essentially beating up a brake fan um, and then we have Donald backing into a signal box and causing the signalman to sort of land on his tender and signal box like realistically that is a big major railway issue with mm. the signal box being out of action so mm. yeah it's it's not just a matter of Donald's tender being dented I mean if a signal box goes, there goes the management of the entire railway. Yeah, like, mm. I mean, um, when you were away, Denim, of course, you were working at a signal box. I was. Yeah, like, give, like, a quick 30-second rundown as to, like, what 
your job was at the signal box? So my job um, at the station that I was designated to, I um, give authority to all trains that come in and out of the station, uh, but I also have to uh, set the correct lines and uh, paths of signals uh, to each train and their uh, specific line. And I also have to communicate with the stations on either end of me to make sure that they know there are trains coming to or away from them as well. Yep. So, Tidmouth, um, it's quite a large station. Mm-hmm. We've got the sheds there. It's yep. uh, the terminus for the main line. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got, you know, calling depot, shunting yard, turntable. It's a massive station. Mm. So then, Denham, if you weren't operating that signal box and no one was at all, that station would effectively be mostly out of action, wouldn't it? True, it, but th- th- I think uh, one of the exceptions to the rule, because I'm on a small narrow gauge railway, True. and uh, there are times where we have crosses at this station, we do have this uh, system that we call guarding charge operations. So if we don't have a signalman, we have um, guards on the train set um, the um, levers to a uh, sequence that would allow the trains to come in on their own um, with the way that the levers have been pulled. Yep. yep. But that couldn't happen on a large uh, section like yeah, Tidmouth. Yeah, like Tidmouth. So out of, you know, of course, we have the issue with the signal box and then we have the greater accident afterwards oh, with yes. the brake van. So as... Um, is it Donald that... Yeah, because Donald is... So Donald has the accident. Yeah. And then Douglas is called upon to help James up Gordon's Hill. Because mm. James now needs to take Donald's train. Mm-hmm. And who should be helping him on that journey but the spiteful brake van? Yes. Mm. And this is where we get, I would argue, to be the most aggressive accident. Yeah. Mm. For he, sure. He had it coming, though, because the brake van is stirring up the trucks. He's mm. trying to make them hold back and push James and try mm. and make it as hard of a job for him as possible. Certainly. And then, of course, what happens is as Duck, as not Duck, as James isn't able to pull the train much more, Douglas says, I'll do it. And with the strength of three, he tries to push the train up the hill and he then crushes the spiteful brake fan underneath him, mm. proving that probably the strength of two engines would have been enough. Yes, and one <laughs> of my absolute favourite shots of the episode, and possibly the series, is seeing the brake van's face being hoisted away by the brake van Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, uh, which um, for a promotion for Series 2 of Right on Track, mm. Season 2, Mm. Season two that covers series two. Mm. Um, Denim did a wonderful Photoshop job there of all the different episodes, and in it there is the spiteful brake fan somewhere. He's just kind of laying down on the ground next to Thomas. <laughs> yeah. So you know, have a look, find all the little Easter eggs you've got hidden in there. But um, out of the two accidents, uh, Douglas's crush with the brake fans. And Donald brake vans, brake van, and Donald's sort of termination of the signal box. Mm-hmm. I would argue that Donald's done a far worse job. You think so? Yeah, I, I definitely would because. 
Well, well, I guess you make a point because if you destroy a brake van, then there's others which can come in to replace it. But if you damage a signal box, that's you know you can't exactly replace it with another signal box. And and like let's consider long or short term effects of this. If a signal box is out of action, all trains will be delayed. There will be tons of paperwork to fill out. There will still be tons for the accident of the signal box. Mm-hmm. But then, uh, you know, that train that James was pulling, well, they can just get another brake van or maybe a train can be behind, you know, acting as the brakes Mm -hmm. and take the train fully himself. And there would rarely be much of a delay to that singular train compared to the many that were stopped by Donald. Does this count as our first fatality in the series? Uh, I think it might, actually. I mean, we don't see the brake van being put back together, obviously, and the the bruised face would suggest that he is okay. Yeah. <laughs> but um, What happened to the guard, though? Well, the guard, he would have jumped clear. Isn't that always the case? Well, that generally does seem to be the case. However... The, the last thing we hear from him is the guard was anxious, go steady, the van's breaking, and then we never hear from him again. Oh, he would have... He would always jump clear. That's always the way in <laughs> Thomas and Friends. It's always that the driver and fireman jump clear or the guard jumps clear. So, yeah. yeah. It's not that morbid, honestly. <laughs> I'm not sure? suggesting. I'm certain. You, 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 you listeners can't tell, but Den and I, we're both sort of looking at Parry, you know... Are you sure, Parry? Yes, I am sure. Let's move on to the scores. Now, <laughs> I would like to think that he at least was hospitalised. Yeah. Well, like, we don't actually see the injury on screen. Grievous injuries. It's not until season five that we actually get to see an on-screen injury. Of a human. Yes. Every other time, it's luckily nobody was hurt. What about... Actually, no. I, I, I do recall they said no one had been hurt. From in this episode, yeah, Brake Van. Good. Yeah. Okay. See? There, Damn. Connor. There goes your theory. But uh what about all at sea? All at sea Oh but we don't see that on screen again. True. Hmm. Anyways, rankings for this episode. Okay, so Brake Van is one of my absolute favourite Thomas and Friends episodes. I absolutely love it. I mean there's so much happening. And Ringo's Scottish accents are worse than your two, actually. But, uh, <laughs> but Sorry, Ringo. Oh, You're hey. Ringo on. Uh, overall, though, I adore this immensely. I'm giving this a 10 out of 10. Perfect. Uh, wow. Yep. O- okay. Mm. I didn't expect that. What were you expecting from me? Um, well, normally you're a little bit more harsh. Oh, so. Okay. Mm-hmm. What do we expect from you, Connor? Ooh, okay. From me, I'm going to give this a solid 8.5 out of 10 because it has got a lot of great scenes and things that we never see before or ever again. Um, but a fun fact about this episode is that it was being filmed at the same time as Thomas Comes to Breakfast because in a shot, of Thomas Comes to Breakfast, you can actually see Donald's brake van half submerged in a signal box. Ah. So I like to think that those stories are running parallel at the same time. Don't you mean mm. tender? Tender, yes. Yeah, sorry. Oh, you can't words today, Connor. No, I can't English That's okay. word. Or we all have our day. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Okay, so anyway, yes, denim. My, no, I, oh, sorry, yeah, Connor. Yeah, my, my ranking of eight, um, 8.5. It's... 
I can't words. <laughs> no, no, I... But... It's all right, I'll fix this bit. <laughs> thank you. So, yes, my ranking of 8, 8.5. Um, it has got a lot of interesting things. However, it does feel like too much happens a little bit. Because we are introduced, then there's, you know, a conflict between Douglas and the brake fan. Then you have Donald crashing this little box. Then you've got the crash with the brake fan. It, it it feels a little bit rushed, but it is still a really good episode. Okay, and finally, Denim. Copying on after that, uh, it actually uh, makes me think, like, when you look at Better Late Than Never in contrast to Brake Fan, not a lot happens in the aforementioned, but in Brake Fan it kind of gets you ready for that. It gives you, like, a break episode after, like, a lot of intensity with a the... break break van episode there you go um but i have to say as well not being an influencer at all here but break van is my all-time favorite episode of all time really it is my number one um there's a lot to love i love the introduction of donald and douglas i love the interaction with the mainline engines and i like that Always not too well on the island of Sodor. There's a lot that's going on. For once, the signalman isn't to blame. Hooray! The signalman has been the victim. He has. And probably not rightfully so. Maybe. I don't know. Depends which signalman you're talking about. (laughs) But uh, there's a lot that keeps it tantalising, and I can't praise it enough uh, for the visuals, for the story, and for the production elements as well. So for that reason, it's a 10 out of 10 for me as well. Two out of three of our presenters say 10 out of 10. Connor is the outlier, but that's okay. We all all have our opinions, and that's okay. Yes, even if they're wrong, guys... We Anyways, st- we still love you, Connor. It's all right. <laughs> love hate relationship. <laughs> but we're moving on to our musical interlude right now, which is the Tugster intensifies Thomas Fired version of Clocks. This is the Right on Track podcast. Oh, 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 
there was the Tugster Intensifiers, who is best known for his covers and uh, rearrangements of Thomas the Tank Engine themes. They're doing one of Clocks by Coldplay. Yes. Mm. Very nice tune right there. And mm. before we move on to our last episode um, that we will review, we do sort of want to cover a missing episode, which is the infamous, well-known, The Missing Coach. Is it infamous and well-known, though? Well, it... it Depends where, I guess, you peak in your Thomas fandom. True. Well, I had no idea, actually, that this was going to be an episode until we started this podcast. Oh, really? So it was completely new to me. Huh. But anyhow, just for context, we're going to be playing a brief audio story which uh, recounts the events of the missing coach. The next day, when Gordon arrived with the special coach, Douglas was busy worrying about being sent back to Scotland. I couldn't abide going back alone, said Douglas to himself. He was so worried that he forgot to take the special coach to Thomas. He pushed it into the siding and went to join Donald. So that was a brief, expository clip about the missing coach. Uh, Denim, where have you digged this up from? I found this, uh, I think someone from SIF uh, linked it on to me when I was wondering if there were any uh, true uh, audio versions of this story about. There is one done by the wonderful Willie Rushton who provided... um, many a narration for the audio stories prior to the TV series. He's also famous for providing the voices for the show Trapdoor. But uh, Mark Morrigan, who was the most recent narrator for the show, then recorded this book. And I think he is um, very good at expression. I was interested to hear how he did this one. So I felt like we needed to include it. Yeah. And I think we should have too, because... As I mentioned just before, The Missing Coach was meant to be a story in the second season, but as we mentioned a few episodes back, it was replaced by Thomas, Percy and the Cole because Britt Allcroft believed that the story would be too complex for children to understand. And I can sympathise with that view because reading up about this story, I couldn't understand it either. It it was like it's quite convoluted. It is a little bit convoluted because the the trains Donald and Douglas they swap tenders so that people can't tell them apart, and Mm. then one of them botches the job, so Thomas's coach goes missing, and then there's a big kerfuffle around that, and then the fat controller admonishes. I believe it's Douglas who makes the mistake. Yes. Uh, so he sees the number nine tender, but he knows instinctively that it is Douglas. And that was one of the reasons why the Fat Controller mentioned that he wanted to send Douglas away in the previous episode, Break Van, mm. was yes. because he'd done wrong and Donald had been the diligent one. One of the interesting things about this story that um, in the original uh, book story by Reverend Wilbur Audrey, um, Again, the kind of questions where the human interaction and the um, engine autonomy comes into play. So what happens is uh, we're introduced to the concept of the coach. Um, Douglas has to take it to Thomas's train, but he's um, worried about going back to Scotland to be scrapped Mm. and then puts the coach somewhere else. Thomas is looking for it and he can't remember where it is and then he meets with Donald again. And then it's the driver who 
uh, investigates this idea or initiates this idea that they should swap tenders and then one of them goes off to do their job and then the other stays there to confront the fat controller. I'm led to believe, hearing that, the drivers and firemen of both engines have come from Scotland with them. Yeah. Because they've grown this attachment to them and they don't want to see them sent away. Yes, I I believe in some quote-unquote railway series Bible somewhere that that is confirmed, that um, they did come along... In 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 the in the book stories and in the TV series as well, the driver and fireman crews do uh, have their Scottish accents too. So, so in season three, it comes through. Michael Angelus, you know, gives them yeah those accents. Yeah, so it's interesting to know where the origins of the drivers and firemen are. What railways did they work on, and why did they go across with them as well? Hmm. But um, I feel that we should. Try and explain the missing coach in the best possible, clear way. Because, as you say, you find it really confusing, um, the story, Mm. and Britt Allcroft agrees. She also said there wasn't enough action in there. Yes, Mm. which I can understand from a story point of view. I mean, what conflict is there to be had in a coach going missing? I mean, it's not exactly the most entertaining of stories. Well, what conflict is there with Thomas going missing, yet we still managed to get how many specials out of that idea. Okay, yeah, because... that's because it's Sharon Miller. <laughs> and it's also because Thomas is the lead character. He, We've grown attached to his personality, whereas the coaches generally have no character. Now, here's an interesting concept. What if you either introduce the coach as being somewhat sentient or having the missing coach be Annie or Clarabelle. Now, that would make a difference, I think, because that's the other yes. thing that got me about this story. Why is Thomas pulling a missing coach, or a special coach, rather? Because yes. he has his own coaches. So, um, how this story will play out is that every day Gorn arrives at Tidmouth with his express train, and at the back of his train is the quote-unquote special coach. Uh, think of the slip coaches on how if you want to stop at a certain station, um, you will hop on that slip coach that will then be the one that stops at that station. So this special coach of Thomas's is very much the same on how if you want to operate uh, your business on the Fafarqua branch line, instead of needing to change trains, what you can simply do is hop on this one coach and it will then be coupled to Thomas's uh, rack of Annie and Clarabelle and then he will go off on his normal Fafarqua. That's two Fs Fafarqua duty. Okay, so we were having this argument off-air, listeners, about whether or not... <laughs> discussion, it was a discussion. Discussion, <laughs> rather, about whether or not Farqua, which is spelt with a double F at the beginning, yep. is pronounced... Like you're stuttering, or just with the one singular noise. Yeah. So I, I, I'm of the belief that it's Farqua, but of course in the TV series and Connor here, it, um, it's pronounced with the two Fs. So I think Thomas has a stutter. You it, think it, Thomas got a stutter? If you say Thomas has got a stutter, then I say it's Farqua. Like okay. I, I like the idea of having two Fs because mm-hmm. it makes it sound more unique. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I understand that. Yeah, however, I, I do believe that Farqua is only one F. But with the missing coach, which is sort of the story where 
reviewing. Um, after Douglas misplaces uh, this special coach for Thomas's train, um, what then happens is that he swaps his tender with his twin, Donald. Donald goes off to do his work, um, both Douglas's tender, under the idea that if the fat controller were out looking for, you know, someone, people, what would then happen is that, oh, Douglas has gone off to do this. And um, a lot of confusion comes into play where the fat controller goes. It's just a bit of a misunderstanding. Uh, that would be towards the passengers because if you were on a train that was just shunted and forgotten about in the siding, you will understandably be upset. Mm. It will indeed. But there are some railways, V-Line, for example, here in Melbourne, where we record our podcast, they will ask passengers to get off the train before mm. they couple them together for safety reasons. Yes. So... You know, I feel I understand why it was taken, and it doesn't have that, you know, action in it. However, I do like the idea of that railway operation of Thomas having another coach and the shunting and moving of trains being a part of the story. Okay, then. So, we've... should we review this? Like, the rating? Uh, no. No? <laughs> That's fair. It, it's yeah. it's not part of the TV series, so, True. yeah. Uh, so, what's the final episode? Well, the final episode we have here is called The Deputation. So, it's the second the part... The Deputation? The Deputation. It's the second part of the, the Donald and Douglas saga. Yes. And in the clip we're seeing here... Percy has been made a deputation and it's his role to ask the Fat Controller for leniency and to let Donald and Douglas stay on Sodor. Hello, Percy. It's nice to be back. Percy jumped. Uh, yeah, yes, yes, sir. Please, sir. You look nervous, Percy. What's the matter? Please, sir, they've made me a desperation, sir, to speak to you, sir. I don't like it, sir. The Fat Controller pondered. Do you mean a deputation, Percy? Yes, sir, please, sir. It's Donald and Douglas, sir. They say, sir, that if you send them away, sir, they'll be turned into scraps, sir. That would be dreadful, sir. Please, sir, don't send them away. Thank you, Percy. That will do. That will do indeed. So, Percy has made his case to Sir Topham Hatt, the Fat Controller, and from there we learn the fate of Donald and Douglas. But... In the beginning of this episode, it's winter on the island of Sodor. As we've previously discussed here on this podcast, it looks absolutely beautiful in the yeah. winter. Snow, yes. of course, covering the ground. Donald and Douglas love it too. And they're often clearing snow drifts that have come across the railway line. And one particular day, they come across a very large snow drift, which happens to have Henry hidden in it. Mm. Yeah, so he's being completely covered in snow, and so they rescue Henry, and an ever-so-grateful Henry says, well, if they're doing this sort of good work, why can't they be allowed to stay? Yeah, both mm. of them. Mm. Because, you know, whilst the other engines may dislike the snow, Donald mm. and Douglas, they seem to be at home at it, mm. um, working 
with their snow plows are coupled tender to work unit to tender. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it is a beautiful episode. Mm, and visually, it, at least. Yeah. And it has got um, one of the first large um, roundtable discussions mm. uh, between all the engines, uh, which I feel is a really nice little detail in, yeah. in the railway series and TV series on how if there is something wrong, they'll have this meeting, they'll decide what's wrong. And it is echoed several times in season five. You have it yes. when they're discussing class 40. So it, it's it, it's great uh, little meetings that they do have. And this time it's about telling the fat controller what is wrong and why Donald and Douglas should stay. Mm, it's demonstrating here the evolution of the characters because we saw in previous episodes how the smaller engines and the bigger engines didn't get along and later how diesels and steam engines also had that conflict there but here they're just shown to be friends you know having a civilized discussion Mm. and they're all working as one towards a common goal which has taken a long time to get to Mm. because the story this is based off uh comes from Twin Engines, which is number 15 in the Railway series, and it was first published in 1960. Mm. So before then, we had a lot of conflict between the engines, and now they're sort of coming to terms with their grievances. Mm. They're all in it together. Exactly. Yes. And, of course, um, they decide to hold a desperation (laughs) where they get Percy to go talk to the Fat Controller who has been on holiday, apparently? Yep. Well, it has been the winter. True, true. So I'm, I'm assuming Christmas would have come and passed at this point. Hmm. Mm. Actually, this episode is being filmed at the same time as Thomas the Missing Christmas Tree. Well, that would make sense. Because of all the snow, yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I'd imagine this season, talking about... If we're talking about expansion of time, I reckon season two probably branches across three to five years. I would say so, yeah. yeah. I'd be inclined to agree with you there. Um, and, of course, that little audio tidbit we played, I feel, is a brilliant example of the wonderful narration in this episode. Because we have got the discussion between the engines, mm. we've got the depictions of the countryside, and we have got, even visually, the meeting with the Fat Controller and Percy... Percy actually does jump back a little bit and his wheels screech. Yes. Yeah. Granted, I think he runs into buffers or something there. In the book series, he sends a truck flying behind him. Yes. <laughs> but it, I would have loved to have seen that in the TV show. Yeah. yeah. But it's a lovely little humanisation of the character of Percy um, showing on how, yeah, he, he is young, he is naive, and he is afraid to be talking to the Fat Controller about this point. Absolutely. Yeah, it is a solid episode. Um, I think we've said all we need to there, haven't we? I I think we have. There there is one more thing I'd like to add. Yes, Connor. And that's at the very end of the episode, where the Fat Controller goes to talk to uh, all the engines, saying that he has had a disposition, a a desperation... a, A designation? Designation... Deputation. 
that's a made up word. But um, <laughs> okay, I see why I'm wanted. He mentions um, to Donald and Douglas that they'll have a new coat of paint, um, and they'll have their nameplates put on them so there'll be no more confusion. Mm. Which, of course, is actually a reference to the missing coach. Yes. Mm. Uh, because that wouldn't have happened if they had nameplates, but mm. they didn't use it. Now, here's something interesting. In the book series, uh, Donald and Douglas chose to be painted blue. Yes. This was planned to be done in the TV series as well. But really? then they kept them black. Well, that probably made sense because that helps distinguish them from the other engines. True. Hmm. But it's interesting to think like what Donald and Douglas would have looked like if blue. they were the same colour as Gordon and Edward and Thomas. Well, they'd look just like Edward. Yeah, they'd, yeah. they'd look blue. Hmm. Yeah. But, but yeah, I I do like the idea of having had them painted blue. I know that there are plenty of wonderful edits out there, but I'd love to see more um, if they were in the Northwestern Railway blue. Mm-hmm. But then probably my favourite winter or just group shot of the entire um, season two is when the camera moves out the end of the episode and you have the chorus of whistles. And the mm. eyes doing their 360-degree yeah. spins. All the eyes are dancing. There mm. are whistles. Lots of steam is out mm. there as the fact mm. control is drowned out by all the engines so happy that Donald and Douglas are staying. And it is... Whilst there isn't much movement by the engines themselves, that would be a very difficult shot to pull off in general because yeah. consider you've got about... Eight or so engines there. Well, there's seven of them here, so I can see James, Duck, Donald, Douglas, Percy, Henry, and Gordon. You've got seven engines there. Mm. And these engines are all radio-controlled, so you'd expect there'd be some interference when they're controlling all these characters. You would have roughly seven people doing that. You've got the weird boom mics that we see every now and then, even though we don't know why they record the sound. (laughs) Yes. You have... The person operating the smoke, mm. you have the camera operator. This would have been a really, while simple on paper scene, mm. complicated scene for that. And it's a wonderful little golden moment, I feel, of series two. Mm. I just realised Thomas is nowhere to be seen. No, he's not. I'm guessing, okay, headcan theory. I'm guessing this is taking place at a very similar time to when Thomas is going to be repaired after his incidents in the following episode. Uh, That's a possibility. So we're talking... Um, oh, what's the name of the episode again? Thomas Comes to Breakfast. That, no, no, no. So the one before that, I'm thinking it could possibly be when he goes away and has his handbrake fixed. What was that? The Runaway. Runaway. That's the one. Oh, yep. Because yep, yep, yep. if you remember in Thomas Comes to Breakfast, Donald and Douglas have their nameplates on their side when they yeah, rescue gotcha. him. Yeah. yeah. I forgot that. My apologies. You see it? Following the idea, I would say that this has taken place, you know, a few days after Thomas has gone off to first retrieve the Christmas tree. It's taking place in the middle of Thomas and the Missing Christmas Tree, hence why we see some of the same set. But again, they've got their nameplates in that episode, so... At the start of the episode? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's Anyways. why I maybe suggest that we have more than one year or calendar yeah. in this but season. Ratings, guys. Ratings. So for this one, 
I'm going to my old faithful score of 7 out of 10. 7? Yes. Okay. So it's not all that action-packed, but yeah, there's a lot of wholesome vibes in here. Yeah. Posy vibes, as we say here at Sin. Um, yeah, so it, it's a beautiful episode. And yeah, of course, the snow-capped surroundings just, you know, bring everything together perfectly, yeah. I mm. think. Mm. I'm a sucker for the snow. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the narration, the little humanization of Percy jumping back. Uh, you've got comedic words and comedic interactions. The engines continuously uh, mess up the word deputation. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to give it an eight, a, a duck, a Montague. Yep. You know what? I'm going to move it out to eight as well. Really? After hearing what you've said, yeah, I think mm. I'm being a little too unkind. So, yeah, it's yeah. an eight from me as well. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of really interesting uh, wordplay again. A lot of use of big words as well, which Audrey never shies away from. Yes. Um, Which is interesting because these are children's books and most children, when they're reading, they would get to these words and go, what the heck is a deputation? Encouraging (laughs) them to learn. Well, that's true. I mean, and we see in later stories as well, he uses terms like sagacity Mm. to describe Oliver. That was a word I hadn't heard before. And I've used that word ever since. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, uh, so uh, dialogue, perfect. Um, aesthetically, it's really nice. Um, it's not as action-packed as Break Fan, but I guess you kind of have to come off a bit of a ride after that. We get a, a nice mm. sequence at the beginning with Donald and Douglas getting rid of all the snow, and uh, then Edward and Percy having their little meeting as well. And then, again, as you say, the roundtable discussion, which is, I think, a first here. Um, I would say... It's probably a solid uh, seven for me as well. But having said that, this is my... uh, For you, Connor, I know uh, James and the Express wasn't one that you saw a lot. And Harry, uh, you didn't see. Was it uh, Safe from Scrap? It was. I can't even remember which one it was now. (laughs) Yeah, it was one of the early season two episodes. Yeah, it was a season two episode that you described. Um that you didn't see a lot. For some reason, I didn't have this on VHS. I don't mm-hmm. think I had this VHS, but it was one that I tried to seek after, and I go to my friend's house to watch it whenever like, I went over there. We all mm-hmm. watched The Deputation, and that's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just so I could like, fill that hole in my uh, Thomas fandom. <laughs> uh, so it is a little bit of a hidden enigma for me. Um, I enjoy it very much. Okay, so we've got 8, 8, and 7 for The Deputation. And that brings us to the end of episode 13 of the Right on Track podcast. Mm, nothing's gone wrong, which is surprising. Yes. We're still right on track. Yes, uh, we are. Chugging and chuffing along. I thought you had to say something else right there, and I'm glad you didn't. I'm so confused. Anyways, um, we hope that you've had a great time listening to the podcast where in the world whether it's morning, evening, or night, you can contact us on Twitter, which is OnTrackThomas. Mm-hmm. Facebook is facebook.com forward slash right on track Thomas podcast, all one word. And our Instagram handle is ttte underscore right on track, and our Gmail is right on track Thomas at gmail.com. That indeed it is. So in our next episode, we'll be covering stories from Thomas's branch line, but yes. until then, that's all from us. Goodbye. See you later. Bye.